Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. For more information, visit us on our website, www.dbsalliance.org. We've been there. We can help. Today, DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast features Lana Castle, writer, speaker, mental health advocate, and author of the new book, Finding Your Bipolar Muse, How to Master Depressive Droughts and Manic Floods and Access Your Creative Power. Welcome, Lana. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Cindy. I'm happy to talk with you. Well, I wanted to have a chance to explore your book, Finding Your Bipolar Muse, a little bit more. Can you share with our listeners what the book is about? Okay, the book is divided essentially into two parts. The first part focuses on the connection between mood disorders and creativity and whether that's fact or just a myth. And I talk some about the research that's gone on with creativity and um, whether whether it's personality traits or genes or family environment or culture that affects that and how that might relate to mood disorders. Then um, the second half of the book shares ways to build more creativity into your life despite having a mood disorder. And what prompted you to write the book, Lana? Well, I'm always looking for ways to improve my efficiency and my productivity. And my plan was to interview celebrities the same way that Kathy Cronkite did for her book On the Edge of Darkness. And it didn't quite work out the way I planned. I contacted the celebrities, and a few of them responded, not not the biggest names, but... Uh, Some of them responded, and I got some interviews with them. Some of them said, yes, you can interview me, and then they backed out or their schedule had conflicts. I got this nice rejection call from Margot Kidder, and she said she couldn't do the book because she was against the idea of medication. So I, I got a little bit panicked because the publisher wanted the book fairly quickly, and I wasn't going the direction I had planned on, and... Um, I spoke to the publisher, and he said, you know, that's not a problem. Just, well, you already know what you need to know, so just write it on that basis. And that's pretty much what I did, although I used the research, and I surveyed a number of people with mood disorders or interviewed other people to get some information and integrate it with what I did know. Mm-hmm. And as part of that research, I know you know you did talk to a lot of individuals, and um, did you know as you said a lot of those surveys and interviews, and so what the conclusion did you come to in terms of this this whole connection between um, mental illness and uh, creativity? I see a pretty strong um, connection, actually. Um, the research says that there's a connection, but. The, the data is not super significant. People with bipolar disorder first and then depression do tend to be more creative than the general public. And um, by personal experience, I've noticed that a lot of people that I meet with bipolar disorder in particular and some with unipolar 
have a lot of creative gifts, and I can't help but think that there are even more of them out there. Mm -hmm. So you came to the conclusion that somehow there is definitely a connection between the two. Right. Yeah, a lot of people that come to my DBSA group have creative talents, whether they realize it or not, once I get started talking with them. That's an interesting comment. We'll have to explore that one a little bit later in terms of the realization of that. Um, you talk about, I mean, the book is titled Finding Your Bipolar Muse, um, but as we just discussed, a lot of people with unipolar depression are very creative as well, and I really felt when reading your book that it really applied to those individuals, but almost anyone looking to incorporate creativity in their in their life. Um, could you address that issue of the unipolar uh, uh, depression connection as well? Right, um, it does, and actually, in some in some ways, the depression part is more significant than the bipolar part in the sense that um, while people who are hypomanic or manic may have ideas just flashing into their head uh, and inspirations going on like crazy, the people with depression will also have creative ideas going at a different level. And um, I had really hoped that the book could focus um, on mood disorders in general, but the title was a marketing decision. Aha. Well, I know how difficult that can be sometimes. <laughs> Getting everyone to agree on just what, what the right words are for that. So that's understandable. But I, again, I, I thought it was a great tool and you give a lot of resources for individuals, anyone individuals, any individuals looking to incorporate creativity in their life. And um, you talk about integrating creativity as part of a recovery tool. Do you think that people can get well just by using creativity? No, I actually, I don't feel like you can really separate out any aspect, you know, I think that's a mistake, any aspect like creativity or medications or therapy and say, well, this is the thing that made me better. I think they are all interrelated, but I do feel that creativity can help tremendously in a recovery plan, and I don't set aside the importance of medication or therapy or support or sleep and exercise. I, I think those things are extremely important as well. But in my own re recovery, giving myself permission to use my creativity had a very strong part of my feeling better. Mm-hmm. Um and you, you shared with us in terms of the fact that you have bipolar disorder. Could you share with us a little bit in terms about how that has impacted creativity throughout your life and perhaps when you were diagnosed and when you started utilizing creativity as part of a tool and then when you decided to kind of take it into a life profession? I was always creatively inclined and my interests have always centered around one type of creativity or another. I was kind of afraid to use my writing skills, even though I knew in my heart that's what I wanted to do, but I was afraid that I couldn't do that because people told me, well, you can't make it as a writer and that's too difficult, there's too much competition, etc. My illness started around the time I was 
at least five and went untreated until um, until I went to college, at which point uh, I had a little bit of psychotherapy. And in my mid to late 20s, I had some medication, but I didn't stay on it very long because it didn't seem like it was working. Then I got into serious treatment when I was in my mid-30s and was diagnosed bipolar when I was 40. Oh, and then when did you decide to take on writing as a, as a profession? Actually, I was, um, I was in a depressive episode, and it was about the time that I began the serious treatment in my 30s. And it took me about 20 years to get to the point where I was doing what I wanted to do as a writer, although I had a lot of different writing-related jobs. I was not writing my own material with a byline. I was working on other people's projects. What do you think some of the things that helped you be able to gain the confidence to go forward? I think those are some of the same things you explore in the book. A lot of different things, really. I, it seemed almost like the only option for me to go forward because all of my skills and talents and interests revolve around creative pursuits. Um, the, the treatment plan, my medication and therapy, and um, all of the things I was doing in my lifestyle definitely helped a lot move forward, but a big part of it was just giving myself permission to try because I really hadn't been encouraged to move forward, and I was also dealing with these fears that I called the terrible twos, and uh, I had to look at those and see what was real about those and, and what wasn't. Um, what would you what do you can you give some examples of what some of those terrible twos might be that you kind of share in the book? Sure, I you know I'm too sick. I'm too medicated. I have too little skill. I have too few ideas. I don't have the time. You know, all these reasons that we tell ourselves we can't use our creativity or move forward toward whatever goal we really want to use and. So you have to look at what's real and what isn't and uh, be objective as much as you can and kind of talk back to, to them. And um, uh, that's what I had to start doing. Well, I know that's one of the things that you explore relative in your toolkit in the back, the book that I enjoyed so much. I think it's just really practical. Um, one of the other things I thought was really interesting was your discussions with other individuals about both sides of the coin, so to speak, you know, the joy and advantages that the um, having a diagnosis of a mood disorder brings to your creative pursuits, as well as obviously the the uh, challenge and, di and disadvantages that um, the illness can bring in relation to creativity. Could you share some of the insights that you gathered, um, either personally and or through your discussions with others about that? Sure. Um, I think most of us are pretty familiar with the problems. In um, in some cases, it's uh, just 
lack of focus, uh, lack of energy, um, sluggishness, or uh, having too many ideas and not knowing where to start with them. Some of the things that uh, people have attributed to um, the mood disorder that are good things or the gifts related to it are the depth of emotion and feeling that they can draw from for creative efforts. Um, Things like if you're in a depression and you're slowed down, you may be observing things around you at a, a deeper level and notice details a lot more than uh, people who haven't had an experience of depression. And if you are um, bipolar and in a hypomanic or manic state, you do get a lot more ideas and uh, can see kind of unusual connections in life that you can use in your creative efforts. Well, you discuss this issue of fear a lot in the book, too, and you kind of just talked to us a little bit before about um, how you actually got broke through some of those fears um, on creativity and using your creativity. Um, could you share with us some advice you might give to others that are kind of facing those fears? Yeah, one of one of the biggest fears for creative people, I think, is that they have to have the perfect inspiration and they're not going to get it or um, they're having difficulty finding it and they don't ever get started. They wait for the muse, which is kind of a, a goddess that inspires you to create whatever it is you do, dance or music or a piece of writing, and they don't get started because they're waiting around for the muse, and creativity involves a process, and a big part of that is just getting started and um, not getting too much into perfectionism. You have to give yourself permission to fail. Um, if you can see that in quotes, it's it's really um, better if you can say, well, you know, I, I have permission to create the worst film ever, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or whatever it is. It gets you moving, but you learn things from from what you're doing, and in the process, your your muse may show up, and you may start with one idea and wind up with something totally different, because once you get involved in it, magic happens. So really just the doing of it is yeah. what is probably both therapeutic and what makes you most successful in terms of doing that. I know I've fallen victim myself to that, waiting for the muse or thinking that the muse will never come to me kind of right. thing. It is kind of this magical thought process. And I, so I thought that was particularly interesting insight there. Um, but I think one of the fears that people also have, though, is the fear of what taking medication will do to their that creative process. Right. And it... It can slow you down some from those flashes of ideas that that were coming rapid fire and because you're missing those and you feel like your muse isn't there, 
then you feel like the medication has taken it away or something along that line, or uh, it may slow you down to where you feel like you don't have the energy. But what I have found is that medication can also really help push you forward because a lot of times you'll get a bunch of ideas but you can't really do anything with them because mm-hmm. that's all that's happening and you kind of get stuck in that cycle or um, you may feel like you can't move forward because you're moving at a different pace but it doesn't really take away your creativity. It's always there inside you. I think recognizing, yeah, that's a hard thing to recognize within ourselves sometimes, that process and that it exists. And, and even medications can't take that away from us. That's something we own. Right. So that's, that's lovely. Um, so if I were going to say I wanted to incorporate um, creative pursuits into my life on a more regular basis as part of my recovery plan. What pieces of advice would you give to me or someone um, like me that would be interested in just trying to get started? A little bit of it involves thinking outside of the box. A big issue for a lot of people is how do I fit this into an already busy life or how do I motivate myself to move forward and what I like to do is is block out the time that you really have to have to deal with um, basics of your mood disorder like a certain amount of sleep or to be sure your meals are in there and to be sure that you block out time for your therapy or to see your doctor or whatever and then look at the rest of your life without making assumptions that you have to keep everything you currently have in your life in there. Like you have to have a 40 hour a week job and that's the only thing that would work or you have to work during certain working hours or you can't possibly get time uh, to deal with your kids if you're trying to do creative things. There, There are a lot of different ways to work around these problems which usually boil down to a terrible two and and the fear going on there and um, you can restructure your life to make creativity a larger part that can mean anything as small as doing what you can towards your art during lunch breaks or while you're exercising to kind of think about creative ideas or squeeze it into early mornings or the evenings or weekends whenever you have small pockets of time or make an artist date where you say, I'm taking a half half a day to work on my art. Um, And if you carry a journal or a sketchbook where you can record ideas for projects or you can read about whatever type of art you want to do. You're making progress even if you're not doing it full time the exact way that you have in your head. That may come later on, but you do what you can when you can to get started. So don't let the shoulds stop you. (laughs) Right, right. Okay. Um, Now, what about individuals that are thinking great, I'm, I want to incorporate this in part of my life, and I've been doing that for a while, but they're thinking about taking the next step. Is there anything that you can say to reassure them 
that it's possible for an individual living with a mood disorder to run a successful creative business. Yeah, um, one of the things that I have in my book is um, profiles of people who do have mood disorders and they have moved forward. Some of them have gone on and had uh, awards that they've won or uh, some of them are just happier because they're involved in some type of creative business uh, working for somebody else or, or whatever. Some of them work part-time. In my case, I freelance and I work whatever hours my moods and energies allow and I work around what I need to do to take care of my mood disorder and it works pretty well for me. You know, a conventional job, eight to five, that, that I can't cut it with that, but I can work around um, what works for me. So use your creative nature to create a creative environment for you that, that, that does work and is successful for you. Right, and a, a couple of the things that the book goes into um, that may be a little bit more focused on people who want to go beyond a hobby level is uh, ways to set up your creative space and ways to build your creative skills and um, ways to get jobs that relate to creativity where you can learn more, um, how to promote yourself and your art and, and the basics of running a, a business. Well, I really felt like the book is just a complete and really good workbook for anyone interested in, in you know, incorporating creativity in life, whether or not that's on a small day-to-day -day basis or, as you said, on a business perspective. So I think there was just, there's just a wealth of information in there, um, more than we can possibly cover in one small podcast. So at this point, I'd love to be able to see if there's any um, key messages that you want people to walk away from reading your book with. One thing is to stick with your treatment plan and be sure you take care of the basics and consider your creativity a vital part of your healing. I uh, feel that you are meant to use your gifts and that you shouldn't abandon them but should hold on, your, hold on to your dreams and go after what feels right in your heart as, as far as... Um, what you really want creatively. Well, I, I really enjoyed it. I think our listeners will really enjoy it, too. I want to thank you, Lana, for all the time that you spent with us today and for all the work that you're doing um, ongoing in terms of spreading the knowledge um, of successful living with mood disorders and sharing that creativity message as well. We wanted to let all of our readers know that both of Lana's books, Finding Your Bipolar Muse and Bipolar De Disorder Demystified, are available for purchase on the DBSI website at www.dbsalliance.org slash bookstore. And if you'd like to learn even more about this subject, uh, DBSA is very pleased to share that Lana will be presenting an educational session about finding your bipolar muse and the creative connection at our 2007 National Conference, August 10th to the 12th in Orlando, Florida. And for more information about that, you can visit us at our website at www.dbsalliance.org slash conference 2007. 
Thank you, Lana, so much for spending the time with us today. And um, thank you, listeners, for joining us for this DBSA Real Recovery Podcast. This has been a production of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. For more information, go to www.dbsalliance.org or call 1-800-826-3632. We've been there. We can help. Thank you.